You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. On today's podcast, we're going to go round the league with Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. Spotlight the Lions with Tori Petri from DetroitLions.com. But let's kick things off with Peter King from the MMQB. Now, it's time for 2010 National Sports Writer of the Year, Peter King from MMQB on the NFL on TuneIn. Peter, always a pleasure. The Giants confirming what we feared watching the game. Odell Beckham Jr. going down with a fractured ankle. What more can you tell us? Well, just that. I think everybody around the Giants will be surprised if they see Odell Beckham Jr. again this year. Uh, They're not going to make any pronouncements until they see what the treatment and possible surgery is. And I think, you know, the biggest thing that happened today is that, and again, I'm not trying to say that uh, you shouldn't, uh, you know, season's over or anything like that, but when you're 0-5, uh, I mean, I, I have absolutely no idea what the statistics say, but it would be one thing if you're 0-5 and, and you're showing a lot of signs of life and, you know, you're, you're, you know you're, all the games have just been very narrow, and they have been narrow. But it would be one thing if you could look at that and you say, boy, I have a lot of faith that we could get on a roll. But, but again, Giants at Denver, Giants versus Seattle, Giants uh, against Kansas City in Week 11, and then the Giants at Washington and at Oakland uh, in a two-game trip. So, I mean, the, the Giants aren't going anywhere this year. They need to get Odell Beckham healthy for 2018. Peter, Nick Ferguson here. I know we're talking about Odell Beckham Jr., but there were two other wide receivers for the New York Giants, one of those guys being Brandon Marshall, who was also carted off. And, you know, this Giants offense has been struggling all season long without Odell Beckham Jr. Now Eli Manning could possibly be without three of his wide receiver targets. Where I mean, do you go from, from this point if you've been McAdoo? The first thing I do is I call Victor Cruz, um, you know, because they need bodies right now. And I don't, I don't know. Uh, I know Victor has been on NFL Network the last, I don't know, two or three weeks. Um, and uh, he certainly would have a future in television. He's a really bright guy who uh, has got a face for TV and I think would do a good job. But I do think that he probably could walk in next Sunday, uh, you know, for the Giants. Uh, you know, it would be totally, absolutely bizarre. They got the Sunday night game at Denver. And how about Victor Cruz walking onto the field at Invesco and uh, as a starting receiver next week? Now again, I'm I'm you know just speculating, but he's the first call I would make without any question. Taking you around the league with Peter King from the MMQB. Peter, you were in Indy as Peyton Manning had that glorious statue unveiled yesterday. What are you hearing about when Andrew Luck could be ready to start again? Uh, I mean, all he's done right now is throw. Uh, not with any velocity and not for a complete practice. I mean, look, I mean, I don't think we're going to see Andrew Luck until at least midseason. I mean, if you look at, you know, the way the Colts' schedule works now, 
Um, I, I, I mean, they they have they have five games now before they're by, and I would be surprised if he comes back, you know, until at least three or four games from now, because you know, to me, this has got to be about the long term health of Andrew Luck. The last thing they're going to do is rush him back before his arm is strong. And so when I was in training camp this year, Chris Ballard just basically, the GM, said to me is we are not playing Andrew Luck until he's absolutely unequivocally ready, and our doctors tell us that. So, um, look, it's been a long haul, a much longer haul than they thought. But you're right, I was in Indianapolis yesterday, and there's no sense that Andrew Luck's return is right around the corner. Peter, Cam Newton uh, nursed a shoulder and an ankle this offseason, didn't really play too much in the preseason, but he has put two back-to-back games, uh, 300 yards passing and three touchdowns. Is it safe to say Cam Newton is back to being the caliber player that made him an MVP in 2016? He sure looks like it, Nick. I mean, the one thing that you saw in him today is what happens when – the Carolina Panthers use him as a multiple weapon. I thought the coolest football play of the day today was Christian McCaffrey's touchdown. And the reason that it was so cool, imagine all of these elements happening at one time. Just, just think about this, okay? Imagine all these elements. First of all, Curtis Samuel, the second-round draft pick, comes by and on a fake jet sweep running from right to left across the formation. The ball is snapped and, and looking very much like this is going to be a read option play with, uh, you know, with, with the running back about three yards to Cam Newton's left. I mean, the amazing thing, the absolutely amazing thing is that, that, the, that the Lions had two players following Jonathan, um, uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Stewart. They had two players following him, and as soon as Cam Newton like took one step to the outside, and then jab stepped and threw the ball, you know, just shovel pass to Christian McCaffrey. They faked out the entire Detroit team, and so you tell me, you know, Nick. I mean, as, as somebody who knows the game as well as you do, if you have Cam Newton running the option as the only quarterback in NFL history who's run for over 50 touchdowns. You have the all-time leading rusher in Carolina Panthers history out on his flank, and you've got the most dangerous kind of interior weapon out of the backfield uh, you know, that, 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 that anybody has right now in Christian McCaffrey. You know, he's like a skinny Darren Sproles. And you, you just say, who, who are we going to take off this play? I mean, you know, I, I just think that, and I talked to Mike Shula after the game about this, that, and, and, you know, he said, hey, listen, the defense has to declare who they want. And so that is what makes it really difficult. Peter, as always, we appreciate the insights. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll chat with you on Tuesday on NFL No Huddle. 
Sounds great, guys. Thank you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The passion. 15-10, The fury. Inhaled in the backfield. Sack for the Huskies. The speed. Here's a home run ball. He's out there. He catches it. The best in college football from coast to coast. Touchdown, Notre Dame. 13-0 Buckeyes. On the goal line. Touchdown, Texas. Ball's on the carpet. Georgia says we have it. He's in. Touchdown, Michigan. This is the Nissan College Football Blitz. Listen on Saturdays this fall on College Sports Now on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, now let's go round the league with Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. Now, it's time for NFL Network reporter Ian Rappaport. It's the rap sheet on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, we appreciate the time. What can you tell us about Odell Beckham Jr.'s fractured ankle? Well, it's uh, it's fractured, and it's not good. And uh, obviously, he left the stadium in a boot, in crutches, um, headed for more tests, uh, going to likely have an MRI just to see if there's ligament damage. And, you know, a, a broken fibula can, can often be six weeks or eight weeks, so the likelihood is that Odell Beckham is headed to injury reserve. What we don't know now is how extensive the damage is elsewhere. Is there... You know, are there torn ligaments? Is this the kind of thing that's going to necessitate, you know, hardcore, complicated surgery? Is this something that he could potentially return by the end of the season or have just an easy offseason where he's fully healthy? Uh, Still a lot to learn, but obviously the Giants are going to be without Odell Beckham for the time being. Ian, Nick Ferguson here. We watched Matthew Stafford tough it out towards the end of the game against the Carolina Panthers. He looked as though he was dealing with some kind of a right lower leg issue. Uh, yeah. You have any more details on that? Uh, seemed like uh, you're right. He was definitely limping. Now, with Stafford, you know, he will basically play through anything. So I would expect this to be a situation where he's got a little bit of an ankle sprain um, and, you know, probably either misses a day of practice or is limited during the week and then plays the following week. I mean, he is, you know, he has played through a separated shoulder, um, a lot of injuries, you know, a, a, a finger that was badly dislocated. Um, he's played through a lot, and uh, I would expect him to be out there next week as well. Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Ian, another loss for the Browns. Winless to start this year. Hugh Jackson merely one victory to start his tenure now a year and change in Cleveland. Benching Deshaun Kaiser at halftime. What's your view of what could happen in the weeks to come in Cleveland? Well, Cleveland's had so much turnover over the last couple of years. I mean, so much unbelievable turnover. And there really is a lot that they've done right as far as just accumulating picks and putting themselves in position to be successful. But obviously the players they picked have not been good enough. Um, you know, this is a team, young team, that you sort of expected to improve. Everyone talks about the culture of the team, how much better it is. It has not been better on the field. Uh, it has been, you know, worse. Um you know, the only problem is I'm not sure what other moves they could do. You know, are they going to fire a head coach, you know, 16, 18, 20 games into his tenure? I would doubt it. Um, you know, could the general manager who made all those picks, you know, could Tashi Brown be in trouble? Uh, I think that would be a question as well. Um, you know, I would imagine they would fire their offensive coordinator. There really isn't one. Um, so, you know, unless they're going to be the same old Browns making rash decisions, 
I think they might just hang with these guys. Ian, you know, tight end Charles Clay has become somewhat of an outlet pass uh, for a safety net for Tyrod Taylor and a very physical game against Cincinnati today. Uh, we saw him kind of limp off the field. Uh, any words on his status and how long maybe he's going to be out? Yeah, and I believe he got carted off as well. Uh, he's going to have some tests and, and try to figure out, you know, exactly what is wrong. Obviously being carted off is not something that is good, uh, but you're right. I mean, his, you know, how he's been used, how valuable he is to the offense, um, I think it's, you know, he's really an important piece. He's not exactly like the biggest playmaker, um, but really sort of a safety valve and, and uh, really good third down player. You know, if he's going to miss any time, I think that would be the kind of thing where it would really hurt them as far as just sustaining drives. But we should know more in the next 24 hours just about his injury status. Ian, let's wrap it up with Monday Night Football. We know it'll be the starting debut for Mitchell Trubisky. What are you hearing about the possibility Sam Bradford could play for Minnesota? It is possible, and I'm surprised at how possible it is. I mean, he, he took a lot of the first-team reps this week for Minnesota. I sort of thought he was going to ease his way back in and you know maybe not play this week, but probably play next week. It sounds like he is trying to play this week. Took a lot of reps. It uh, sounds like he's feeling better. There's definitely some optimism there. Wait for tomorrow for the final word, but um, it is definitely heading in the right direction for Bradford. I know that. Ian, great information as always. We look forward to chatting with you on Wednesday on NFL No Huddle here on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Anthony Valadez. We have a new music channel exclusively on TuneIn, Indieclectic. It's home for the emerging and boundary-pushing artists, from soul to electronic, folk to world sounds, hip-hop to jazz. Music should inspire you. It should challenge you and make you feel some sort of way. All hand-picked gems from the likes of Nick Hakim. The bands that are featured on the record are all bands that I plan. What's next? British sensation Jaybird stopped by for a live session and a performance of her single, Cathedral. I heard it from the island of the cathedral. Baby, I was gonna break your heart. Latin alternative breakout artist H.L. stopped by to discuss his inspiration. There's been many phases in my life now since Harlem, but it definitely pushes me. And then going downtown, you can't get in a club, you know, you're outside. And then you see like Kid Cudi going inside, you know, just seeing all that being right next to you, people rubbing shoulders, knowing that it's possible. It's all encouraging. From the record bins to the blogosphere and into your ears, it's Indieclectic, heard exclusively on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's break down the Detroit Lions with Tory Petri from DetroitLions.com. Tory, thanks for taking the time. Let's start with the health of Matthew Stafford. Did he say anything post-game about perhaps suffering a foot injury? Watching the game, he appeared to be gimpy. Yeah, he was mom on it, as the Lions typically are when it comes to injuries. Uh, Jim Caldwell didn't offer anything up about it. Matthew Stafford said, you know, he's not going to talk about it. Happy to answer any questions about the game, but didn't want to talk about the injury. Uh, But we've seen Stafford play through so many injuries uh, in his time. So this is not something that is new to him as far as fighting back to to stick it out in a game. So we'll just have to see as the week goes on how bad it was. Tori, Nick Ferguson here. You know, we're talking about Matthew Stafford and his injury, but the one thing that has been slowed so far this season and the same thing took place last season is the ground game of the Detroit Lions. How can they get this running game on track to help their defense and also help their quarterback, Sam Bradford? Yeah, they actually had a good game in the running game last week. 
uh, in Minnesota, but this week it just was not there for them. And uh, the offense has just kind of been up and down, and it was the same story uh, this week. They talked all week about how they were you know, ready to get things on track and play to the same par that the defense has been playing because uh, this defense has been playing fantastic. Um, not so much today against the Panthers. Really nothing was on point. Uh, per se, against against the Panthers. But the run game, and again, one of those areas couldn't get going again today. And uh, they've had some inconsistencies on the offensive line with injuries and whatnot, but they actually had their starting offensive line out there today, and they weren't able to get it done, and they weren't able to protect Matthew Stafford very well at all either. And that was part of the issue with this offense today was that Stafford really just had no time to throw, um, and it wasn't his best game either. And Nick alluding to Sam Bradford, because we're also looking ahead to Monday Night Football, the possibility (laughs) Bradford comes back from the (laughs) knee injury and gets the start for Minnesota. We're spotlighting the Lions with our friend Tori Petri from DetroitLions.com. Tori, we have not had a chance to chat with you since. Jim Caldwell got some very good news. How happy were the players to find out that he got the contract extension a couple weeks ago? Oh, yeah, I think they were thrilled. I mean, this team really loves playing for Jim Caldwell. Uh, They love being coached by him and just the way that he leads that locker room. The organization as a whole is really happy about uh, about Caldwell coming back. It's what everybody wanted. The players love playing for him, and I think it's a good thing for the team. Tori, you know, three touchdowns by Cam Newton and, you know, Ed Dixon. He was on the opposite end of a lot of those, and Cam Newton has really changed uh, his consistency over the past two weeks. And this was a Lions team that we've talked about in the past that have shown signs of uh, being entirely different than they were in previous years. Why was it that Ed Dixon was able to run through the seam of that defense uncontested? Yeah, that's a hard question to answer because, you know, we saw this defense struggle with tight ends a lot last season. That was just really their weakness. Tight ends would come in and have great games on them week after week after week. But we haven't seen that issue uh, this year. And I think part of it last year was just uh, the linebacker play not being up to par. But it was just a lot of different things uh, this week. You know, one of the big catches that uh, Kelvin Benjamin had was on Darius Slade. Usually Darius Slade is really good in coverage. Uh, But the Ed Dixon uh, catches, there were a few different uh, issues there. I think some of them were missed tackles. The Lions had a lot of those today all across the board. Uh, but the the uh, Panthers really were attacking the Lions across the middle of that defense, and Dixon had a great day. Tori, let me take you back to last week, a victory for Detroit against Minnesota, but the Lions only scored 14 points, and Matthew Stafford said coming into this game they were looking to rev up their production. How important is that going to be moving forward? Because you know what's coming up next Sunday, a potential shootout on the road at New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, getting this offense on track is going to be huge for the rest of this season. I think that the defense can can continue to play well. We saw them stopping the run pretty well in the end of that game there. Uh, But the offense needs to play up to par. I mean, they can't continue to defend or to depend on the defense to get them turnovers and uh, get the ball back to them. They've got to be able to, you know, not have three and outs. And we saw way too many of those today, and they're not going to win ball games. Uh, down the stretch if they continue in that pattern. So it's something that I know they're working on uh, getting back on track. Matthew Stafford has had a, a rough couple of weeks, so uh, definitely need to, to set things up for this offense because you can't just depend on having you know three turnover games or three takeaway games from the defense every single week. You know, speaking of that, Tori, you know, this was an offense last year. Everyone referred to them kind of as the cardiac kids because they were able to, to push games <laughs> into the fourth quarter and have late comebacks. And you look at some of the games they played thus far, Arizona, Atlanta, 
Minnesota and today against the Carolina Panthers. It, it seemed like that narrative continues. W- what can you know, Coach Caldwell do at the beginning of the game to get this team going, but also get them to a point where they're not trying to have a late comeback in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I mean, Caldwell said that about his team, is that that's something that he likes about his team, is that in the fourth quarter, you just know that they're never out of a game. They are always, you know, have the potential to fight back, and we've seen that from them even this year as well. Even today, you know, it wasn't enough, but they did get two touchdowns in the fourth quarter uh, from Darren Fells, their tight end. But, you know, they do need to start off faster, and that has been a continuous issue for this offense, is that they need to be able to have good drives opening up games. Now, they did get a a field goal to open up the game today, but, you know, you're going to need more than that, uh, you know, down the stretch when you're, you know, playing for playoff spot, if that's what the Lions want to do. So really just starting faster is the issue, I think, all across the board. Uh, You know, they really pick things up when they're under the gun in the fourth quarter, but they need to be able to play that well to start off the game. Tori, great information as always. Thanks for giving us a few more minutes today on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. One, two, three. Let's go. Playlists and hit songs picked out for you by your favorite social influencers right here on Herdwell Radio. Hit music. Let's go. From lit jams to sleepy time songs, we'll play the best music that you need to know. Check out our specially curated playlists like the hashtag What's Trending Hour or our Chart Toppers Mix. Keep the party going with our weekend brunch mixes or our nightly hype mix. No matter what time of day, Herdwell Radio's got you covered. You bring the party, we got the music. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Nick and I are now joined by my NFL No Huddle co-host Cordell Stewart recapping all the action from week five across the league. Cordell, I'd like a concession directly said by you. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in all of football. No, I won't say it. How can you deny that? Because you got that guy number 12 in New England that is the best. He's won more championships and he's done it better than anyone has ever done. The best current quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. So let let, let me help you real quick. The Kool-Aid you're drinking right now is the one that we all are drinking. We're a prisoner of the moment. We just saw a phenomenal game by a Green Bay Packer team that basically came into Dallas again, came from behind and got a quality victory over a team that's struggling right now. Defensively, they don't know which end is up when it comes to playing defense. I don't know what Marinelli is doing. He needs to lose his job. Plain and simple, I'm not sugarcoating it. This is the same thing that happened last year (laughs) in the postseason. You guys are going to play the political game. I'm going to give you the facts. I'm not. I'm watching the same game. You cannot continue to play this man coverage or this blitz coverage or whatever, and these guys are playing one-on-one on the outside, and these corners are about as average as average can be. So at the end of the day, this game, yes, Aaron Rodgers did a phenomenal job. But when you mention the best quarterback in all of football, it's hard for me to give that. But he's playing some great football right now. Yes, he is. So, so Cordell, so Tom Brady is the best quarterback to ever live. Is it safe to say that Aaron Rodgers, you can slot him in as maybe 1B maybe and being as one of the most clutch quarterbacks because he did it to Dallas again. Now, when you say clutch, that's different. That's a different conversation. Clutch quarterbacks, yes, because think about what he does when he's under pressure. He's about one of the most calm quarterbacks under pressure when it comes to completing passes, uh, completing touchdowns or what have you. Under duress, he is one of the best quarterbacks to have ever played the game. I will say that. But when you say the best ever, I can only give you one championship. I got five I can give you for the other guy, number 12. 
I mean, it's kind of hard to do that. You got other quarterbacks like the Troy Aikmans that's won multiple championships. And then we're going to say, well, he had all the talent around him. Well, yeah, he did. He has it. Right now, Aaron Rodgers is getting it done with guys who are injured, guys who are playing, guys who are playing healthy, all of the above. But to say he's the best to ever do it? No, no, no. I'm just saying the best current quarterback with the understanding that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, although you know I'm still a Montana guy. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. I'm old. All my references come from the late 1980s. All right, partner. I'm just going to say a couple words and turn off my microphone. Ben Roethlisberger, (laughs) your thoughts. Horrible. Horrible performance today. It's almost like what we talked about on our show and and how when going after Antonio Brown and, and making it sound like he wasn't throwing him under the bus, and but yet he was throwing him under the bus, you know, because I'm, I'm a big stickler of this. And Nick Ferguson, you may agree, you may not, is when you ever, whenever you have problems, if you're a leader on the team, especially a quarterback, the worst thing you can do as a teammate or a player is to give the media anything that you talk about when it comes down to maybe the disagreements in the locker room, on the field, uh, 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 to, to on the practice field or what have you. It's more about making sure that it's understood that, yeah, we had our differences. Yeah, he was frustrated, but we got him resolved. He's okay. That's my guy. Woo, woo, woo. But when you start saying things like his temper tantrums, he don't want to listen to anybody. I try to talk to him. All, I, all he has to do is come over and just talk to me and, you know, on, so on and so forth. It somewhat puts me in the position, as I said, even um, – when watching everything on, 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 on the games, I was saying to myself, you know, yeah, you know what? I get your point. But at the end of the day, all of a sudden now you throw five interceptions. Uh, it's not a bad look. And I won't say it was because of that, but that was a bad game, one of the most horrible games, I would say, that Ben, Roethlis, ben Roethlisberger's had since he's been in Pittsburgh. So, so, Cordell, you know, and I feel you, I'm with you, but when you hear Big Ben in his post-game interview, Talk about, hey, you know, the fact that, you know, I may be done, especially, like you're saying, after, during the week, criticizing A.B. for his tirade, you know, on the sideline. If you're in that locker room and you and, and, and you hear your quarterback say that, what does that say to everyone else in that still a locker room who's still fighting? You might be giving, giving up on me. There's no reason for you to talk about Anything dealing with postseason football, meaning you're retiring, you're giving up the game, there's no such thing as you're done. You, you take the wins like a champ, you take the losses like a champ. You're not done until the season is over with. Yes, there were a bunch of conversations being had um, at the end of last season after losing to New England and saying he's thinking about retiring and then coming back in April during OTAs and asked, being asked the same question and says, I don't know, excuse me, I don't know for sure if I'm coming back. So now all of a sudden you get this sound, this presser, if, if that's what you're alluding to, Nick, is, is that after the game, he mentioned he think he's done. He may be done. Come on, man. Like, let's, let's get away from the prima donna mentality and feelings uh, of, of the loss you just, you know, dealt with. And, of course, everything fell on his shoulders today. Five turnovers. While last week it was A.B., a- he apologized for it. I sat here and said, you know what? Of all players on this team that show up every single week, whether it's Le'Veon Bell being gone, whether it's Martavis Bryant being gone because of injury or suspensions, who's the guy that's there? Nick, I think you know the answer. It's number 84. It's Antonio Brown. And so here it is. It was all about A.B. last year, last week, excuse me, last week. And now all of a sudden this week it gets to be about Ben Roethlisberger. Now you say he's thinking about being done. You think he's done? Come on, man. If the guys in the locker room are hearing this, they don't know for sure if you're all in. They're trying to figure it out. 
Has he gotten too big for the game is the next question that needs to be asked. Because when you sound like you're the front office and you sound like you're, you're, you're one of the officials in the National Football League addressing the behavior of your teammate on the sideline, and then you come back and you make this soundbite be one of the headlines of why, you know, the game, the ending of the game and, and how you feel about the outcome of the game, which is, I may be done. Ah, it's almost as if he's on the outside looking in. And I don't know for sure if he's necessarily committed to the game if he make that type of statement because there's no, you know, we don't need the victim role of feeling sorry for anybody. Play the game. Hey, you threw five picks. Let's get ready for next week. The season's not over with. And that's where I'm wondering if this is where it's going. If he's playing the out game, I'm wondering if this is how he's going to go out because he's much better than that. But we only can go off of what he said. Taking you around the league with Cordell Stewart, a preview of what's coming up tomorrow when we rejoin you for NFL No Huddle for Eastern. Hope you can catch that show every weekday. We're with you 4 to 7 Eastern. Cordell, let's head to Cleveland. So a year ago, you, Nick, and I defended the Browns, and we went through a litany of near misses saying, yeah, they were 1-15, but if you watch games, probably they should have won four to five games. Well, if you're watching games this year, they don't have a chance. 0-5, and yes, they got Miles Garrett back from the ankle injury as the number one overall pick made his NFL debut, but Deshaun Kaiser threw another interception. He's got nine now, the most in all of football, benched and had Kevin Hogan take over second half. Hugh Jackson is now 1-20 during his run in Cleveland. What's going to change with the Browns? Oh, that I mean, how can it get any better is the question. Um, how bad has it been for the Cleveland Browns? Um, it's been pretty horrendous, to say the least. Kaiser, uh, he's struggling, I think, across the board. They all, they all are. Uh, you see them make some good plays and then they make some bad plays. And, and, and while making excuses for them may be the easy out, I like to say this is a young football team. You know, I like to say it's a young football team similar to the San Francisco 49ers, where they're young players starting, getting their first run at being starters in the game, and, and, and a coach uh, and an organization that's trying to find their way. I mean, just not so long ago in the last couple of drafts, They've given up some spots for some players just to have the numbers. Right. You know, they, they traded more the numbers game as opposed to talent. They traded down and passed on Carson Wentz. They traded down and passed on Deshaun Watson. At some point, are they going to find a quarterback? Well, they end up finding one in Brock Osweiler. How did that work out for him? Comeback player of the year. Yeah, comeback player of the year. So, yeah. <laughs> comeback to point, the exactly. Broncos, that's all. Yeah. I mean, that's the greatest place in the world for him, isn't it? Did he say that? Uh, he's so happy right now. He's back where he <laughs> where he feel in his heart. Probably he should have stayed. Uh, but it's a much better football team in Denver uh, than the other teams. But guess what? He got paid and had a chance to come back. He is the luckiest man on earth. Let's just say that. But Cleveland is struggling across the board. I would say even from the front office all the way down to the last guy on the roster. They're just struggling tremendously, man. And it's, it's showing on the football field through inconsistency, uh, through personnels, uh, the personnel groupings, uh, to play calling, to – execution, situational football, just X's and O's across the board. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's while looking like they're in some games, uh, it also looks as if they're just that far away from actually having a chance to win a game. So uh, while moving to Hogan, um, I get that's the move they made, but let's just be realistic and transparent. I know you went 16 of 19 for two TDs and one INT. Uh, the turnovers are still a part of it, and that's one thing I think they need to get rid of, which is the turnovers to help this team at least look like they're trying to be depart. I mean, came close, but I think this conversation is being had because a lot of people thought that the Jets would be that bad 
meaning tanking the season because of all the pieces that got written up, rid of. But guess what? <laughs> They're three and two. <laughs> They're three and two right now. Have a Coke and a smile on that one, Brian Weber. Diet Coke, by the way. Thank that, you. That's pretty impressive. Another contemporary reference. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to do all of the Eddie Murphy routines from the 1980s and 90s. Goody Nick Google. Goody Google. Goody Google. I want half, Nick. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. You know, let's stick, stick, stick with that, uh, that narrative we're talking about NFL quarterbacks. Carson Palmer, a lot of been said about him coming into the season. Uh, last week, he did not fare well. And it seemed like this week, 28 of 40 for 291 yards. One touchdown and only one score for the Arizona Cardinals. We know about David Johnson. He's not there. So Carson Palmer doesn't have an outlet to help him. So if you're Bruce Arians, what what are you thinking at this time? Is it time for them to find an heir apparent to Carson Palmer and just kind of, you know, put this past and this era behind them? Yeah, I mean, I, I had this conversation again on our show on No Huddle during the week and just trying to figure out um, – what direction do they want to go in? Because their commitment is obvious uh, to Carson Palmer. Um, and, and for me, the team is a really good football team overall. It's just the inability of the quarterback position to be consistent, whether it be his, in his style of play or even his health. Um, it's proven to me that he's not capable of getting it done. And, and the writing is completely on the wall. If it ever gets to the point where someone feel like, you know, he still has it in him, uh, I, th- I think they're fooling themselves, but it's about time for Carson Palmer to put up the cleats, man. He needs to get the old school um, Marshawn Lynch pick of having his cleats hung across the barbed wires in the street, so to speak, and allow his 15-year career to end uh, after this season because it's really that bad for Arizona. They don't really have a chance starting out uh, the gates when it comes down to playing because of his inability to be in productive. Now it's not saying his career wasn't a good one. It's just, I think he's at the bitter end of it. And, and right now uh, being at the age of 37, it's showing its ugly face. I mean, they've taken time off uh, for him in practice to allow him to rest. And he's come back looking even looking like he's struggling even more than we've ever seen him struggle uh, when it comes down to just his body language. Um, it's like when it's time to make a play, it's like he, he has to take three steps to get going before he can actually get going, and by then he's sacked. Uh, so it's just a, a thing of David Johnson's not a part of the mix. Um, seeing him not in, in, in the game I think makes it harder for Coach Bruce Arians when it comes down to how he calls the game. So now it's time to go to the collegiate ranks and, and I think really put themselves in position to figure out who's really the next man up uh, for this organization so that they can have an opportunity to move forward. And then when you look at who they have, who's their, who's their quarterback, Brian Weber, who's this young kid they have, uh, is it Sam Denard? Uh, wondering if they would have a chance, Arizona, to even try to grab him since he's right there on the West Coast. And Sam Darnold at USC, right. Yeah, Sam Darnold. Yeah, so it, wondering if that can come to fruition, if he chooses to come out, because he doesn't have to because he'll still have one more year left. But he's playing some really, really good football. So it's just a matter of trying to find someone in free agency. Uh, if there is anyone, you got a Kirk Cousins, who I assume – uh, may not want to be in Washington, but they're they're playing some really good football. He is, I think, the team is as well. Uh, that may be someone that's out there that could be gotten. Um, if 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 it just so happens he denies or or even rejects the contract, because I think if he keeps playing good, he stays in Washington. And we haven't seen anything with 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 Jimmy Garoppolo yet with an extension of some sort for him uh, to fill in for Tom Brady 
or even have it while Tom Brady's still there, just in case something were to happen to Tom, they'll have their guy sitting there waiting in the wings. So, you know, it's a, it's a few situations and opportunities out there. They're just going to have to jump on it now and not wait. And I'm shocked that they had made the move uh, sooner than they have right now, because as you mentioned, Nick, you mentioned Carson Palmer's name. He's the weak link to this whole entire deal. And conversely, Carson Wentz was terrific for the Eagles, four touchdown passes. Cordell, we got two minutes left before we bring in Peter King, our friend from the MMQB. I'll give you the final word. How disappointing was it to see the Rams commit five turnovers? I know they had a chance to win the game, but felt like they missed an opportunity to make a statement against Seattle. I won't lie to you, man. I've become a fan of, of what they've been doing as of lately because comparison to what they did last year, Brian and Nick, it's really, it's really a pleasure to watch that team play considering everything that they've gone through. And, and mind you, I know 3-1 and one last year was 3-1 and one this year. Uh, but for me, when I look at this, I honestly will say this, is that they're capable of scoring. They're capable of competing. It just goes to show you when you play against one of the better teams in the league, you cannot commit those amount of turnovers and expect to compete, let alone score those amount of points that they've been known to score starting out in the first four games of the season. Great job, partner. Enjoy your night. And here's a preview of our program tomorrow. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in all of football right now. And how about this? Preview tomorrow, Nick Ferguson, Brian Weber, afraid to ride with the Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) Y'all are the scariest two I've ever met in my life. All the noise y'all talked about last year and this year, if there's a time to jump on a bandwagon, you're so lackluster in your your confidence, you're not even riding with the team. And they beat the Steelers at home. Five turnovers. You know what that says about us, Cordell, opposed to you? You know, we're, you're we're not, not smart. No, we're, we're not that same way. We don't like to toss it in people's faces already. No, we, are you kidding me? No, we don't do Nick that. Nick Ferguson, listen to me. You all the tweets it. you put out on Twitter, all the stuff that Brian Weber brings to the show and even throw out there about other teams. Are you kidding me? There you we, guys have jumped on the bad wagon <laughs> to win a division, going into the playoffs, and even Brian Weber said they're going to the Super Bowl, uh-huh. and now all of a sudden you guys are retracting your stuff. No, no, no. no, no. We don't have to gloat. Oh, then you guys the are talking together, too, by the way. Look at this. Look at this. I like this. You know what? Beavers and Butthead. Have a good time. Wow. Wow. <laughs> You know, the mic. <laughs> you know that I know we know. That you know that. Yes, exactly. I know that you guys picked Jacksonville and you're not right with them. So leave it alone. Goodbye, Cordell. Bye-bye. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. Tomorrow's headlines before they go to print. I've just been handed some great reporting. Tomorrow's questions before anyone's asked them. Could you make an obstruction case? Tomorrow's conversation tonight. Who is there to stand up to the boss and speak truth to power? Not a single person. The 11th Hour with Brian Williams. More than the day that was, it's the day that will be. Weeknights at 11 Eastern on MSNBC. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on the Eagles with Anthony Gargano from 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. Anthony, as always, we appreciate the time. Have they changed the name of your town from Philadelphia to Carson City? Four more touchdown passes for Wentz today. Yeah, it's definitely Wentzylvania. That's the state in which we live. And uh, let me tell you, I... I've been. I've watched every one of his kids' games. He just gets better and better and better. I, I mean, I marvel at some of the things he did. And you can't quantify with numbers, 
but I'll try. So he's got a 162 passer rating on third down. Today on third down, he was eight for nine with three touchdowns and eight first downs. And imagine all the blitzes which he which he faces. They tried to blitz him and pressure him there on third down, and he bit him every time. Not only that, he gets out of doom plays. He's become he, he like reminds you of Manning when he surveys the line of scrimmage. He, he is he, the kid is just amazing. He, Nick, I don't know what you see, but he is amazing. Well, well, Anthony, I I, I can tell you this: uh, w- watching him from year one to year two, uh, definitely you can tell that. Uh, the, the coaching staff has done an excellent job, you know, bringing him along. And you're right, you know, being able to get the ball out of his hands. And, you know, one guy who who's I, I've seen has been really impressive. He wasn't really drafted by this coaching staff, but he continues to impress week in and week out. And that's Nelson Aguilar, former top, you know, draft choice out of USC, 93 yards. Now, what does the fact that he is now coming along, how does that change for the offense and Carson Wentz himself? Well, I think what was really helped out is they moved him to the slot, and he's been much more effective in the slot. He's got a lot of good speed. He's got some good sit-down speed. I think that's really helped him. You know, he had some issues last year, some rookie issues. It got in his head, and this year he came in a clean slate, came in the slot, and he's become a good weapon. And I think, you know, with Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith on either side, they've helped him out a lot. It's really helped this passing game go vertical. Zach Ertz has blossomed into a really strong tight end. You saw it again today. And, you know, look, I mean, the thing with Wentz is, you know, most of the time he's just on the money, and he throws a really catchable ball. And I think that just helps out. You know, they, they commit to the run game, which has been good. Well, Garrett Blunt has been terrific. So when, when they actually feed the ball, he's running downhill. That's been big. But it all starts at the quarterback, guys. Spotlighting the 4-1 Eagles with Anthony Gargano from 97.5, the Fanatic of Philadelphia. Anthony, I'm working with a former safety, so Nick tells me it's all about the secondary long-term. How much better is this defense going to be when they get healthier in the back end of the D with Ronald Darby and Sidney Jones, the rookie out of UW? Yeah, Brian. Now, here's the thing, too. The last two wins, they didn't have Fletcher Cox who may be a top-three defensive player in the conference. So that obviously is going to help out the back end even more. And, you know, Nick, you know about, about Malcolm Jenkins. The guy's a pro. The guy just knows where to be. You know, he, he can play on your team anytime. He knows where to be. They had problems with corner. Look, Darby, it's a shame because they, they, they went and traded for him. He's going to be a guy they're going to look to when he gets back in probably three weeks. Sidney Jones, I'd be surprised. They're probably going to redshirt him. I mean, you know, he's going to come back at some point, but I don't know if he's going to be ready to play corner in this league. You get Darby back. Patrick Robinson's been playing well for him. But again, like, here's the, here's the issue. They haven't faced a quarterback that can really sit back, who has time, and dart them. They've been really a product of the front, and the front has masked a lot of the issues in the secondary. Anthony, when you look at uh, the the skilled players that Carson Wentz has at his uh, disposal, and there are definitely several, uh, when you look compare that to maybe the Dallas Cowboys and maybe the Washington Redskins, a team that the Philadelphia Eagles already defeated earlier this season, 
How would you say that they all, once you put everything together, match up against you know some of the other teams within the division, like the Dallas Cowboys, who are playing right now, has a 21-15 lead over the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, I, I don't think the skill guys are as good as Dallas' skill guys. First of all, I mean, everything's going to go through Zeke, right? So when you have that running game that you can rely on, and as good as one has been, I mean, he's not going to be Elliott. He's not going to catch the ball in the backfield. He's still not the perfect fit for this offense because they're like a back that, that can catch the ball, you know, traditional West Coast offense. So LeGarrette's not the perfect fit. So we've got to give the edge to the running back, certainly with Dallas. And receivers, I mean, we see Dez wake up today. Beasley, I mean, you've got to give the edge in skill, I think, to the Cowboys as well when it comes to receivers. I think, guys, the Eagles' defensive front is really good. I think that's, other than quarterback, I think that's their biggest strength of this team. Fletch, they, they can run, they go they go eight deep on this defensive line. Timmy Jernigan was a really good pickup over the uh, over the summer. And you you guys know about Jim Schwartz, and he loves to he, he loves to just rush his front four. He's been dialing up some blitzes, timely blitzes, and that front has been dominating games. And it really got the Carson Palmer's head all day today. Anthony, finally, we know it's always sunny in Philadelphia. You mentioned Jim Schwartz. What do you make of these reports that perhaps he is strutting too much within the facility, maybe <laughs> undermining his head coach, Doug Peterson? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, he's <laughs> Nick. You you know, like the alpha male, like which. <laughs> When you see, like, everybody knows, like, players know it, media knows it. And, look, that's the guy with the resume, right? That's the guy that's been around. That's the guy whose personality is. Doug Peterson is kind of the all-shocks kind of guy, gives you that kind of mentality. And so he's just so Schwartz is a stronger personality than Peterson. But they like Peterson. They play for him. I think some of the things he does, to be honest with you, are kind of quizzical. He's learning on the job. But they're winning, and you guys know, as long as you win, you'll be all right. Now, I will tell you this. Last year, Pearson was close to not being brought back. And Schwartz was close to being the guy. So that is something to follow. But right now, I think it's I think it's cool. And I think, Nick, you know, like, players are smart, man. Like, they understand who the dude is. Like, who do y'all the guys are, right? Absolutely. We definitely know that inside the locker room, but you never want to undermine that of your head coach, especially when you're in assistant coach position. You're right. But he's, he's in charge of the defense. Dog has nothing to do with the defense. Gotcha. Well, so, Anthony, it, it's like when you show up at the radio station, that's why you strut, because you do morning drive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think so, but uh, I, I'm <laughs> Always a pleasure, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We'll chat with you soon on NFL on TuneIn. Pleasure, man. Take it easy, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The passion. 15-10-5-3-2-1. The fury. Inhaled in the backfield. Sack for the Huskies. The speed. Here's a home run ball. He's out there. He catches it. The best in college football from coast to coast. Touchdown. Notre Dame. 13-0 Buckeyes. The goal line. Touchdown, Texas. Ball's on the carpet. Georgia says we have it. He's in. Touchdown, Michigan. 
Michigan. This is the Nissan College Football Blitz. Listen on Saturdays this fall on College Sports Now on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast today, let's celebrate individual achievement. It's time for Nick's Picks. You're listening to NFL First and Goal on TuneIn. It's time for Nick's Picks. It's raining, it's pouring, no one is snoring. We put the critics to bed because the defense couldn't get up this morning. In a soggy game, A.J. Green hauls in his 77-yard reception for a touchdown as he finished with seven receptions and 188 yards receiving. No Georgie, no Porgie, no pudding pie. We showed up and we made the defense cry. When the boats come out to play, your entire cheering sections run away. Phillip Rivers, 21-44, 250 Eight yards, three touchdowns, one interception as the Chargers get their first win of the season while giving the New York football Giants their fifth consecutive loss in a row. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Give me the ball and watch me turn this mother out. Dak Prescott, 17 plays, 79 yards, eats up more than five minutes off the clock to give the Cowboys a go-ahead touchdown. He goes 24-34. For 223 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, and that was short-lived because that man, Aaron Rodgers, came to steal his cornbread. That's the late edition of Nick's Picks. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.